Sir William Ulcer once said, Without faith, a man can do nothing. With it, all things are possible. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan Rick. I bet you didn't recognize that music, did you? <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting scenario that we have there. Um, that was the old introduction music from when we started way back. Years ago. Way back in the ancient of days when I didn't have gray hair. <laughs> anyway, uh, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us this fine Sunday morning. Jonathan, what is our topic today? I'm excited about this one. Well, Rick, our question is, does everyone need faith? And our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Are you a person of faith? If you think about it, everyone is. We all have parts of our lives where we rely on others around us or information that might be unverifiable to us personally or on those that hold the position of authority. So is this a good thing or is it just a childish fantasy? Is all faith the same? How do we tell if our faith is truly trustworthy? Folks, stay with us this morning as we look into the depths of faith and see how it applies to our society, our science, and our religion. So, Jonathan, it's all about faith. Yes, it is. And uh, there are those who say that faith is not a good thing. Um, There are those who say that faith, especially religious faith, ought to be essentially banished from the world. Yes. And and the world would be a much better place without it. There are those that say that, Rick. (laughs) Now, you're not one of those. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Neither am I. But this morning we want to look at that perspective along with the perspective of um, what faith really is. Because here's the thing, and, and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb just at the, at the very first moment here. I think that one of the disconnects is the definition of faith. Okay. That if you understand what we think the Bible teaches as what real faith is, it's not so much what others may say it is. So, you, okay. want, you want to stay with us for that. And we're actually going to get started with our very first soundbite here. We're going to be listening a lot this morning to Richard Dawkins, who is a world-renowned scientist and atheist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, has done many, many, many programs and segments and so forth uh, about uh, trying to uh, uh, negate uh, all religious faith and activity, you know, <laughs> cease and desist orders and things like that. Uh, and this is from a, a program he did called Enemies of Reason. And uh, this is uh, kind of like an introduction to what he's looking to accomplish. There are two ways of looking at the world, through faith and superstition, or through the rigors of logic, observation and evidence, through reason. Yet today, reason has a battle on its hands. I want to confront the epidemic of irrational, superstitious thinking. So, that's his objective. Mm-hmm. He wants to combat the epidemic 
of irrational, superstitious thinking, which he calls faith. Gotcha. All right. So that's what we're up against. Whoa. <laughs> that's what we're up against. He sounds pretty serious. <laughs> well, you know what? He's not only pretty serious. He's a very, very intelligent man. Matter of fact, I really like the guy. I, I really disagree with him on this particular point, but I really like the guy because he is, to me, he's a he's a real he's a real thinker. Mm-hmm. And I, I always appreciate that, even if somebody doesn't come up with uh, the same brilliance that we come up with. <laughs> <laughs> and humility, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, so let, let's look at, is faith irrational superstition, or is it based on something more than that? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website? ChristianQuestions.net. So if we were to go to the online dictionary, what would we find in terms of figuring out what faith is? Confidence or trust in a person or thing. Faith in another's ability. And now everybody can understand that definition. Confidence mm-hmm. or trust in a person or thing. I, you know, when I have faith that you're going to be here on Sunday morning to co-host the program, I don't have to double check with you and triple check with you. I just have faith you're going to be here. And by gum, he's always here. <laughs> gum? <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> by golly. Uh, all right, another another definition. Belief that is not based on proof. He had faith that the hypothesis would be substantiated by fact. All right, so belief that's not based on proof. So you, and, and interesting, the example here is not about religion. No, it's about science. It's about science. So you draw a hypothesis, you have no proof, but you say it seems to me logical that this is going to be the conclusion and I'm, I'm moving forward as though it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is unsubstantiated, but it's something that actually works in the scientific world. Okay. Okay, what else? Belief in God or in the doctrines or teachings of religion, the firm faith of the pilgrims. All right, so now, here's where we get into the religious aspect, believe in God or the doctrines or teachings of, of, of some religion. Now, here's where you can also get into the, 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 the varying of the definition. Do you believe it just because somebody told you it, or do you believe it for other reasons? We'll get to that a little bit later. And there are different doctrines. And there aren't there. <laughs> well, it's even even among Christianity. Oh, yeah. There's a there's a wide variety of different things that happen within Christianity. And finally, um, wh- one more belief in anything as a code of ethics, standards of merit to be of the same faith with someone concerning honesty. So belief in anything as a code of ethics. And again, everybody would look at that and say, yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we all, we need to come together on, on standards of, of living and so forth, and we all need to have faith in those standards. Mm-hmm. So what makes the faith work? You, so obviously, faith can be directed at all kinds of different things. But what makes the faith work? That's what we really want to get into this morning. And folks, again, if you have any thoughts, we're going to be talking about faith. Does everyone need faith? Uh, does an atheist need faith? Does a scientist need faith? Uh, do doctors need faith? Uh, do Christians need faith? Is all that faith the same, or is there a tremendous difference in, in, in all of those things? Give us your thoughts at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. Uh, we are live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And this would be a great program to check out CQ Rewind. 
CQ Rewind is available exclusively at ChristianQuestions.net, and especially the full edition. It's uh, You sign up for it. It's no obligation, and it's no cost, and it comes to you via email once a week, and uh, it just gives you all of the material that we talked about during the program. It's Plus, bonus material, things we don't have time to talk about. And there's always things that we don't have time to talk about. And I can tell you right now, today is going to be no different. Again, that's found at ChristianQuestions.net. And where else can you find that, Jonathan? Nowhere else. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hebrews 11.1, 1, a biblical definition of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. All right. Now, that was from the New International Version. What's the Rotherham Version say? But faith is of things hoped for, a confidence of facts, a conviction when they are not seen. So it's putting, it, it's giving you, a, 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 that's maybe a little bit hard to understand. Um, Russell says that, uh, read this, it's a one-line comment from Russell here on, on what faith is. The reasonable and accepted conclusion of a logical argument based upon a reasonable premise or foundation. So it's interesting that he uses the word reasonable twice in that definition. Mm-hmm. It's an accepted conclusion of a logical argument upon a reasonable premise. Now, when you go back to Mr. Dawkins when he said, uh, you know, the idea of of uh, superstition, superstition is not a reasonable, logical or anything of the sort. Well, no, superstition isn't. <laughs> but <laughs> but what we're saying is biblical faith is. Yes. All right. Now, we're obviously the burden of proof will be on us. Mm-hmm. So, stay with us as we uh, take that burden and try to go through it step by step. But for the moment, let's go to another soundbite. And Jonathan, this this is interesting. We're going to be coming back to this this uh, this interview uh, throughout the program. This was done on Fox News just recently because Hurricane Irene was was coming. So Fox News does this segment on how different kinds of people were preparing uh, for the hurricane, and they have an atheist on to say, okay, well, how does an atheist do their preparation for this kind of thing? So let's listen to this. Father Jonathan Morris told us that in times of crisis, many people turn to God. They turn to prayer for comfort. So what do atheists do? Uh, Joining us now is David Silverman. He is the president of American Atheists. What do you do? We prepare. We prepare. Uh, Hands that help are better than lips that pray. Have you no life outside your own physical self? No, and neither do you. Nobody has a life outside their physical self. They just think they do. So in times of a crisis... That's kind of mocking people. Well, it's true, isn't it? And boy, it gets better. Steam <laughs> discussion. Yeah, and, and it, like I said, it, does, it, it gets a little bit more heated as it goes on. But it's interesting what he says. He says, well, okay, what does an atheist do to prepare? Uh, well, we prepare. And then he says something. He, he says a sentence. Hands that help are better than lips that pray. So what's the implication in that? Don't pray because it's useless. Right. The implication is, well, obviously, if you're one of those people who's just mouthing your prayers, you're not doing anything helpful. Now, let me ask you, Jonathan, when in in terms of such something like that, do you prepare or do you just sit in the corner and pray? I prepare. Well, now use the spirit of a sound mind. <laughs> right. right. That's a scriptural principle. <laughs> sure. So it's an important part of our Christianity to do the things that are necessary to prepare. Plus helping our neighbor if they need it. Prepare. That's part of Christianity. Yes. So his assumption about people of faith is way, way, way off in left field. Absolutely. And he says, that, you know, nobody has a life outside of their physical self. They just think they do. 
And again, you know, oh, look, <laughs> look, I'm sorry. That's his opinion. That yeah. comes across as awfully arrogant to it me. It does. What I would say if I were him is, look, from my perspective, I don't think you do. But to say, no, 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 you don't. You just think you do. You know, you're a little delusional. You're wrong. <laughs> well, delusional. It's not just wrong. Okay. You're delusional. You're living in this fantasy world, and that's really where a lot of this stuff ends up coming from. Uh, let's go to James 2, 14 to 17, and, and just look at it in terms of uh, the, the obligations uh, of, of a Christian in relation to faith. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? All right, so right there, you have the combination of faith and works. Be prepared. You have to do things. (laughs) Yes. Continue. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? So there you go. So when he says... Hands that help are better than lips that pray. I say hands that help along with lips that pray are really going to get the job done well. Oh, yeah. And James is telling us, don't expect to to be faithful to God if your brother is starving right before you and say, oh, go pray. It'll be fine. Help him. Exactly. That's part of what Christianity is. And then verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. So that's something that we have to put in perspective in relation to Christian faith. The, just from from looking at the, the biblical definition of faith, because we're running a little bit late here, what is it, quickly? Persuasion, credence, conviction, reliance, and constancy. So there's nothing fantasy about that. So, Jonathan, as we wrap up this segment, we're looking at the concept of faith and how it works and where it belongs in our lives as a Christian and how vital it is to every human being. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? Coming up, examples of faith in the Old Testament. Is there a common denominator in each? That's next. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And I just wanted to put an alert out to our other stations that uh, we have a little ENCO issue here, so things are not normal. So uh, just stay on your toes, okay? <laughs> All right, Jonathan, um, we're looking at faith. We're looking at how it works, how it doesn't work, and people's perceptions of faith, especially religious faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we listened to a little bit from a couple of atheists in the first uh, segment. Yes, we did. <laughs> It's always fun. But wait, there's more. <laughs> and we're actually going to go back to uh, Richard Dawkins again. This is from a, a program he did called The Virus of Faith. And uh, that certainly doesn't sound happy and exciting for those of us who have our lives focused on faith. No, it doesn't. But he's very, very determined and very specific about what he thinks is going to happen in terms of uh, of those who don't allow themselves to grow out of Faith. Listen to this. 
For many people, part of growing up is killing off the virus of faith with a good strong dose of rational thinking. But if an individual doesn't succeed in shaking it off, his mind is stuck in a permanent state of infancy, and there is a real danger that he will infect the next generation. Okay. <laughs> what do you say after that? <laughs> what do I say? Let me see. Part of growing up is killing off the virus of faith with a good strong dose of rational thinking. And if he doesn't shake it up, shake it off, his mind is stuck in a permanent state of infancy. Okay. Uh let's talk about faith and now let's just add another word to our conversation because this is what I think he's talking about. And that other word is credulity. Mm-hmm. It's not a word that we use too often. It's not. What does it mean? Uh, readiness or willingness to believe, especially on slight or uncertain evidence, kind of like gullibility. All right. So are faith and gullibility the same? No. Well, Jonathan says no. Folks, what do you think? 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our conversation continues on Line at ChristianQuestions.net. Check out Facebook and our always updated blog. And if you'd like to email us instead of talk on the phone, or you can actually do both, you can email us at Rick, R-I-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. That is a personal email, and you get a personal response there uh, in a timely fashion. So, are faith and credulity the same thing? Well, again, let's go back to trying to figure out faith from a biblical perspective. McClintock and Strong's is a biblical encyclopedia. There's like 12 volumes. It's very, very exhaustive. It's exhausting to try to read through it, actually, <laughs> it too. The, the writing is so small. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but they give a, a real good understanding of faith from a biblical perspective. And we're just going to take a few lines from here. Well, faith uh, is essentially trust. And then he gives you three things uh, in... In, in terms of summing up faith. An objective body of truth. Okay, a faith is an objective body of truth. A rule of thought. Which makes sense. A personal quality, act, or habit of the individual man. So it breaks faith down to those three different subsets, if you will. And then th- there's one line from its lengthy explanation that I thought really um, nailed down what we're trying to get to this morning. Psychologically, faith is the faculty of grasping evidence with a propensity to admit it when duly presented to the mind. So, when you look at what credulity is, gullibility, mm-hmm. uh, gullibility means that you are easily swayed by something that just, just by the sound of it. But it doesn't have any evidence right. behind it. It doesn't have any substance. So, if I come to you and say, hey, Jonathan, I got this deal for you, and uh, all you got to do is sign right here, and boy, are you going to be a happy guy. Well, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me the pen. Yeah. <laughs> how happy am I going to be, Rick? Oh, so happy. But how happy? Oh, so happy. Okay. That's gullibility. Mm-hmm. Faith, according to what you just read here, is the faculty of grasping evidence with a propensity to admit it when it is duly or sufficiently presented to the mind. So what this is saying is, faith, according to the scriptural, biblical definition, says, I'm challenging you to see something, to look at it, to reason through it, to understand it, and then to accept it. Mm-hmm. That's not gullibility. No. All right, so can you, can you tell if you have faith or credulity? That's the thing. And folks, look. We need to ask ourselves that. We do. Do Does your Christian faith, is it based in what the Bible says faith really is, or is it based on credulity, just sort of being gullible and believing and nodding your head along with, and yes, yes, Without yes. Without 
personally proving. Right, right, and, and that's the thing, Our, because I think that's what the Bible calls for us to do. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.net, and check out our many archive programs on a variety of subjects. Again, that's ChristianQuestions.net. So let's go back to uh, let's go back to another soundbite because it's so much fun to do these <laughs> soundbites when you have such a contrary opinion to what we're talking about. And again, we're looking at this key question: According to the Bible, is faith the same or different than credulity? My experiences. Now, I'm not saying this is this is universally true, but my experiences: those folks who look in on Christianity with disdain look at us as having just mere credulity, being very gullible. Is that the fact, or is there more to it? This is going back to the uh, Fox News piece that was done on preparation for Hurricane Irene. They're interviewing an atheist and asking, well, what do, do atheists do to prepare? And uh, in the beginning of the interview, he said some very uh, um, uh, harsh things toward those toward people of faith, and it kind of got the interviewers a little bit uh, up in arms. Well, and it kind of continues <laughs> in this soundbite. Okay, so if you want to believe in an invisible man in the sky, you can do that, but that's not going to well, get me to say mockery. that's valid. It, you can call it mockery if you want. I'm telling the truth. So what do you okay? do? You don't, you don't appeal to prepare. any other authority. You no, prepare. We, well, you get candles we, in? or uh, Yeah, batteries. we get candles. We that's get candles. It? We do everything. We, we make plans. We make backup plans. We do everything that's utterly possible to protect ourselves and our family, and if we can, to you help know, our neighbors. All right, and they obviously keep going on and on with this. Yeah. But see, here's the interesting thing. He says, and, and, and his first statement in, in the first segment, if you missed it, was, you know, hands that help are better than, 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 um, lips that pray. Lips that pray. Okay. And so he's basically insinuating uh, that, that people of faith are, are just, you know, lumps on a log that just say their prayers and hope for the best. And, and then he says, well, look, if you want to believe in an invisible man in the sky, you can do that. But you're wrong. Well, God, first of all, is not a man. <laughs> He's not in the sky either. He's not either. a person. <laughs> all right. And, you know, but what that does, Jonathan, that gets my ire up. <laughs> it just does. Because he's not representing the way that we choose to live our lives according to faith. Right. He's presenting the way that we choose to live our lives according to faith as a fantasy delusion that just, you know, really grow up and get and get over it before you hurt somebody. And well, he's uh, basing it basing it on credulity. What Christian right, faith is. Right. So he's looking at Christian faith as credulity. Right. Is that the case? That's really what we want to ask. Well, let's take a look at uh, the kind of responsibility that Christians are taught. Now, we, we looked at a little bit of that in the first segment, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and Jonathan, I'm probably going to interrupt you as you read the scripture, so what else is new? <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at 1 Timothy 5, 3 to 8. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. Okay, so so hold on right there. So it talks about taking care of other Christians. Mm-hmm. And it says honor widows. In other words, take care of them. But then it qualifies it. Yeah. It's not saying not just any widow. 
And he's saying, well, okay, wait, are they are they picking and choosing between which widows they're going to take care of? And the answer is yes. 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 Do uh, they have children? Do they have grandchildren to take care of them? Right. So in other words, if they have children or grandchildren, members of their family that can support them, first and foremost, it's the family's responsibility to do that. Yes. All right. That's what the scripture is saying. That's what the apostle is telling Timothy to teach others. Then continuing, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. So now this is talking about – so if you have someone though who doesn't have that, that support, support system. Right. Support system. On their own. What do you do with them? Well, you know, if, they're, if, if she is truly Christian, you know, she is, she is praying. She's good little lips that pray. She's a sister in Christ. And she's praying, but she is not able to take care of herself. So what do you do with that? Continuing, prescribe these things as well, so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So here it's talking about our responsibility to take care of ourselves. And especially um, those widows that have no support, the deacons that are elected in each church have responsibility to make sure the needs are taken care of of those that can't do it themselves. But it's really talking about, you know, lips that pray. Yeah. And it's talking about very prayerfully approaching, preparing, and fulfilling your responsibilities. Yes. And it's saying, and the thing about this at the end, it says, verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, what is it saying about them? He's denied the faith, and he's worse than an unbeliever. You need to do your part. So, you just don't sit and pray and do nothing. <laughs> so the idea of Christian faith is not this this sitting in some corner, uh, doing saying your prayers day and night, and, and not lifting a finger. This is saying you must take care of yourself. And there are many other scriptures that talk about this, mm-hmm. uh, that, that if we don't take care of ourselves and those that we're responsible for, it says you are denying the faith. So you can have a form of faith by saying, well, I pray day and night. Isn't that good enough? The answer is absolutely not if you are ignoring the things you're responsible for. So Christian faith is not some little uh, fanatical thing that says sit and pray and, and God's going to take care of you. Now it's interesting because there are scriptural principles and promises that say God's going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Of course. So if God's going to take care of you, why do you have to take care of yourself? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And you're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Does Everyone Need Faith? On our website, ChristianQuestions.net. So as we look at this, Jonathan, we're, we're, we're looking at faith and credulity, and we're trying to say, okay, how can you tell if you have faith or credulity? Credulity is the gullibility. Now, here, here, here's... Here's where Christians can fall into credulity, I think, into gullibility. I think I'll use gullibility. Okay, that's it's a better word. It's a better yeah. word. You can fall into gullibility by saying, well, you know, God did promise that uh, he would take care of all of my needs. But my Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There you go. There it is. My God shall supply all your needs. That's what it says. Christian gullibility can be, okay, Therefore, I can just sit at home and not have to lift a finger about anything because God said he will take care of me. 
Yes, he did. In the same way, a parent will take care of their child while teaching them to be responsible. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the same thing. It is. God is our father. He is our parent teaching us to be responsible. And he's saying, you have to do the things that you are required to do in order for me to be able to best take care of you. Good point. So it's a two-way street, but we can fall into that gullibility if we're not careful. You're right. And that's not a, a good situation to be in. Let, let's look at the, the common denominator uh, in all of – well, actually, there is a common denominator. Let me restate this. In these following examples of faith, and the question is, what is it? Hebrews eleven twenty to 25, what's the common denominator? By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. So you have in this example Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, and Moses. Now what's the common denominator in all of their experiences? Well, Rick, each had proof of the evidence of God in their lives. So they were already given proof of God above, Mm -hmm. and they were following through. So being asked to do these things uh, was, was an outgrowth of what they had already experienced. Yes. And see, that's what real, true Christian faith ought to be built on. It ought to be built on more than just an idea that we like and we're partial to. It needs to be built on something solid, some kind of evidence, and that's the way all faith really should be. So, folks, we're looking at faith and how it works and how gullibility doesn't work. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? Should children be taught faith and not be influenced by parents' beliefs so that they can make up their own minds? That's next. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. We are talking about faith. We're talking about faith versus credulity or gullibility uh, and what the differences are. Now, this segment we want to focus on teaching children. Should children be taught faith or should they be allowed to grow up and make their own choices? By sampling all the different beliefs out there? Well, or just, you know, you know finding the scientific method and saying, I'm going to go with this first because you want to ch- teach children facts, don't you? Oh, of course. So then why would you put faith in the way of teaching them facts? 
If you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website again, ChristianQuestions.net, and check out Facebook and our always updated blog. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So, it is a parent's responsibility to train up a child in the way he should go, according to the scriptures. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you avoid facts so all you can give them is their faith? No. Well, you seem to have all the answers this morning now, don't you? (laughs) Because that's what seems to be presented here. And again, let's go back to the virus of faith done by Richard Dawkins, a world-renowned atheist and scientist. Uh, And here, in this particular soundbite, he's talking about secular education. He makes some very, very interesting and important points here. So listen, listen carefully. Sectarian education acts in a similar way. Children are initially isolated from each other because of their parents' faith. Then their differences are constantly drilled into them, and they embark on opposing life trajectories. Such divisions are encouraged. In North London, the Hasidic Jewish community is the largest after Israel and New York. Here, religious division is taken to its extreme. These ultra-Orthodox Jews only marry within their sect. Television is frowned upon, and of course children attend exclusive religious schools, cloistered away from external influences, which just might persuade them to look outside their community. So, what he's saying is that sectarian education, its focus is to isolate children from each other based on, simply based on their parents' faith. And then what happens is these children are brought up to go on entirely different paths. One's going right, the other's going left. 180 degrees difference because of their parents' faith. And he's using ultra-Orthodox Jews uh, in London as an example. And he's saying, look, they frown on television. They only marry within their sect. And they're not give- he's saying they're not given ample opportunity to see the real world. Now, does he have a point in all of that? Does he have a point? See, I think he does have a point to a point. And one of the things that, well, let me back up before I answer that further. Jonathan, you are a man of faith, right? Yes, I am. You raised your son how? Uh, Based on my belief in God and God's word. How could you? Well, why did you do that? Because I know it's true and I want to pass on God's uh, good news to him. All right, so. Jonathan, that's Jonathan's example. I have three children. We raised our three children uh, exactly in the same way, teaching them based on biblical principles and based on Christianity, mm-hmm. based on our understanding of Christianity. Did we do our children a disservice by doing that? Do people who send their, their children to a Christian school or a Muslim school or a Jewish school do their children a disservice by doing such things? Is it, is it the wrong thing to do? Folks, we'd love to get your thoughts on that. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. Well, how did Jesus deal with children? Well, let's take a look at how Jesus dealt with children. Mark ten thirteen to 16. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, 
permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter in it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. So he was talking about the kingdom of God in front of children. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and and he saw children as those who set the example of how to learn and accept the kingdom. He looked at their innocence and their trusting, right? Their teachability, and they always ask questions. And he said, "This is the way you accept the kingdom of God." Full of energy, right? Be like them. So Jesus' implication here is that obviously you want to teach them about the kingdom of God mm-hmm. because. They're showing you how you should learn about the kingdom of God. Yes. So from a Christian standpoint, you know, is it is it to the um, – when we teach our children faith, do we cut them off from science? I guess that's the real question. Does your faith cut your children off from science or does your faith enhance their understanding of science? That's really what we want to get to. Are we are we cheating our children by saying to them, look, this is the right way to grow up to be an adult? Well, look, folks, they're your children. They're your responsibility. You're supposed to be the one who feeds them the things that they need. That's what I think anyway. I agree. <laughs> All right. Now, before we go to the phone, I want to, I want to get this, this, this sound bite in here. Uh, this, Jonathan, uh, could be a little bit, uh, a little disconcerting. This is a song, part of a song. It's just, it's just 44 seconds of a song, uh, called Credulous Minds. It's by Breaking Bad. And it's not reflecting very nicely. So what else is new this morning with our sound bites? <laughs> yeah. Not reflecting very nicely on Christianity. Let's see if you can, can follow what it says. Our innocence condemns you. Your innocence condemns you trapped beneath God's shroud. In their God you must rejoice. Children sadly have no choice. Um, A godly child is a child abused. That's what they're saying. And, And now, folks, look. We are. This is Christian questions. This is about Christianity. This is about the Bible. What they are saying, all of the input we've heard from the outside in this morning has been saying, you guys are, 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 are living in a fantasy world. You're gullible. You're gullible. You're delusional. And now you're abusing your children by teaching them faith. Is that true? Let's go to the phones. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, as I look over my, uh, go over my thinking here, my notes, a couple of things I want to share with you. Uh, one scripture just came to mind. I think it's Luke 18, 8. I'm not sure. I, I didn't have time to look it up. But, uh, relating to our time, the times in which we live, I think the Lord Jesus asks, uh, when he returns, I believe, uh, he has returned, would he find faith on the earth? 
that's that's a really uh, uh, penetrating uh, question, uh, critical question. How, how much faith? And you you see, you look around us, and it's uh, becoming more and more evil. Our days are more end times. There's more evil than ever before. But anyway, that's uh, just incidental to what I wanted to share with you. Uh, one of my favorite songs is uh, uh, by Dolly Parton. I believe. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? I love I love the, the the words in that song. Just one line says, uh, "I believe that uh, for every raindrop that falls, a flower grows." I love that. And then uh, uh, the account in uh, Genesis eighteen, Genesis eighteen, uh, verse fourteen. Uh, a powerful, powerful uh, scripture. Is anything too hard for God? Hmm. Remember, uh, 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 Sarah says, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, what was she, 70, 80, 90 years old? I'm not sure what. She was up in years. She could, no way could she have a child. But when God promised her a child, she laughed. And uh, that's when God, uh, the angel says, is anything too hard for God? And finally, uh, on this uh, issue of faith, with which I agree, as you are presenting it, your slant on it, I, I agree. Uh, the uh, scenario with Thomas, I'm believing Thomas. In conclusion, blessed are those who, who believe because they see, but more blessed are those who believe without seeing. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. All right. Now, that, that's an interesting point, because now is that saying more blessed are those who are gullible? No, obviously not. Oh, so how do you explain that? See, that's what we have to get to. And, Jonathan, in the second hour, we're really going to dive into that particular point uh, of, of understanding how the, how the Scriptures give us a, a guideline on that. We're getting a little shy on time here. In Exodus 20, the, the commandment is simple. Honor thy father and thy mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Proverbs 29, 15 to 18... And again, we're looking at it. The, the 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 accusation out there is that when you know people of faith shield their children from the real world, from the facts, from science, and shame on us, and we're essentially abusing our children. Okay, mm-hmm. Proverbs twenty nine gives us a sense of what we're supposed to be doing in regards to our children. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by a ne- neglected child. Okay, so. A mother is disgraced not by a child who neglects her, but by a child that she neglects. Mm -hmm. So we have to pour ourselves into our children. Jump down to 17. Discipline your children, and they will give you rest. They will give delight to your heart. So you have to, as a parent, we are instructed by our book, the Bible, to discipline our children. And so, so that's an important part of what this is all about. We have responsibilities, and our faith is a major part of our responsibility because if you are living your Christian life, your faith ought to be guiding you every step of the way. Yes. Now, are you be gu- being guided by gullibility, or are you being guided by something solid? Are the scriptures something solid, or are they just a bunch of fantasy stories that make you feel good? Well, Rick, to not teach our children faith would be to neglect them. I think so, because my faith is the single greatest driving force in my life. Mine too. And now, I want to go back real quick here to Richard Dawkins one more time. I know we're running out of time, but this is short. Virus of faith. He's talking about atheism. One of his guests is talking about atheism. Listen to what he says. 
To an atheist like Ian McEwan, there is no all-seeing, all-loving God who keeps us free from harm. But atheism is not a recipe for despair. I think the opposite. By disclaiming the idea of a next life, we can take more excitement in this one. The here and now is not something to be endured before eternal bliss or damnation. The here and now is all we have, an inspiration to make the most of it. So atheism is life-affirming in a way religion can never be. All right, stop it right there. Atheism is life-affirming in a way religion can never be. I could not disagree with that comment more fully. Uh, the, the idea that, well, because you have another life, you can just sort of skate through this one. No. All we've talked about in terms of people of faith, Christianity that is, uh, from the scriptural standpoint, is responsibility. Exactly. Living up to things. Doing what's required of you. Uh, and, and we haven't even touched on the magnanimity that Jesus teaches us to have, to love our enemies, to, to contribute to the world around us. I mean, and, and not to mention in this segment we're talking about children, our responsibility, it says in 2 Corinthians 12, 14, we don't have time to read it, but it says, you know, the parents ought to lay up for the children. In other words, you have to prepare for them. Your job is to contribute to their lives. In Hebrews 12, 4 to 13, and again, we're just going to touch on a few verses, it talks about the discipline that we ought to be involved with with our children. Folks, look, we're talking about faith. Does everyone need faith? Are people of faith bringing their children up in, in a disadvantaged way? Or are we actually giving them a tremendous advantage that others don't even think about having because they don't understand what faith is? In the second hour, we're going to ask one of the key key questions here. Does the Bible ask us for, for, for faith? Or does it ask us to just be gullible? That's an important question. So we'll be back after the news and all of that for Jonathan and Rick. It is Christian Questions. Our subject, does everyone need faith? We'll be back soon. Think about it. Waldo Emerson once said, All I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different Perspective And Jonathan, what is that subject this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, does everyone need faith? And our theme text is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So we're talking about faith. 
having faith, what it means and, and how it works. I uh, want to just make a quick mention here uh, to uh, the uh, station producers at our other stations. We are having a little ENCO challenge, so things are different. So please be on your toes for the ins and outs of commercial breaks and so forth. Uh, it will all be fixed next week. And we also want to welcome in WNOX, our listeners there at 100.3 FM. We are glad you're joining us for this hour. This is a great conversation to get involved in. We want to remind you that uh, the first hour is available to you live if you go to ChristianQuestions.net and you click the Listen Live button. Also at ChristianQuestions.net, there are archives for many, 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 many other programs uh, that you can avail yourself of. So we're glad you're with us for this hour. And Jonathan, what else? Well, if you have more to say after the program, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. And you can contact us on the web at ChristianQuestions.net. Also at our website, CQ Rewind. CQ Rewind has two parts. The first, the summary version. That includes excerpts from the program, transcript, and scriptural citations. It's a free download. The second is CQ Rewind, the full edition. Now that's available by email sign-up only. And that includes comprehensive excerpts, transcript, and fully quoted scriptures plus bonus material all presented in a reader-friendly format full of graphics and illustrations. Now, that's also available free of charge. Just sign up. Check them out at ChristianQuestions.net. CQ Rewind. You heard the program. Now see it as well. All right. Jonathan, uh, as we go back and just recap the first hour very quickly, first point, I think, from the first hour is faith is a common characteristic in everybody. That's right. Everyone needs faith. Everybody needs faith. Now, look, we're not talking about religious faith, but faith as a concept, is common throughout all of humanity. Yes. You have faith in other people. You have faith in other things. You have faith in circumstances. You have faith that your car is going to start in the morning. Well, maybe some of us don't. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning. That, that's important. Faith and credulity, or faith and gullibility, are very, very different. They are. And true faith, as defined by the Bible, is not... Gullibility. No, it's based on evidence. Right, right. right. And we're going to really get into that and in, not in a second. Feelings, right. right. Although feelings do play a part in everybody's faith. Yes. Because when you have a feeling of 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 joining in with it, it makes that faith easier to to, to find. As long as your faith isn't only based on feeling. Aha. <laughs> All right. The Bible defines faith as based on evidence, not feeling. And then we also talked about teaching your children. It's vital. To teach them faith, mm-hmm. to teach them your faith. And and, uh, and responsibility is part of our faith. A very, very large part of our faith as defined in the scriptures. So that's where we've been thus far uh, in the program. We've listened to a lot of atheists uh, beating up on Christianity oh, yeah. this morning, and we're going to continue to do that <laughs> because it's so much fun. <laughs> it is. This next soundbite we want to go to right off the bat here is Christopher Hitchens. He is another well world-renowned atheist, um, and he's basically talking about the concept Christianity has of vicarious redemption, Jesus dying for the sins of others, and he's really very, very unhappy about that doctrine. Let's listen. The those who dissent from the ridiculous uh, belief of Christianity, the the horrible idea of vicarious redemption. In other words, uh, the idea that by watching another person suffer, an innocent person suffer, that you could be freed not just from your debts or your sins, but your responsibilities. You could cast your sins on a scapegoat. I don't just oppose that disgusting belief. I oppose the Judaism from which it's plagiarized. 
So what he's saying is this disgusting belief that by watching another innocent person suffer, you can be free not only from your sins but for your responsibilities as well. That's what he said. That's his interpretation of the sacrifice of Jesus. Does the sacrifice of Jesus free us from sin? Yes. It does. Does the sacrifice of Jesus free us from our responsibilities? No. As a matter of fact, it, 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 it magnifies. We have more responsibilities. Yes, it absolutely magnifies. So I don't know what he's talking about. I don't either. Um, obviously, he's very unhappy about it in terms of where, where it fits. Well, Rick, uh, could it be that you know atheism don't see um, in the Christian community true examples well, and you wonder how come they when they they come out at Christianity they come out so harshly. Yeah, I listened to a lot of lot of material getting ready for the program, and it was all harsh and and beating down and crushing and almost almost mockingly laughing. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe maybe we are not showing the example of Christianity we ought to be showing the of 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 faith because you know faith is is. Something that is active. It has to be a living part of your life. It has to transform you. Now, is, does the Bible ask us for gullibility or does it ask us for faith? That's a key, key question. And I think that one of the things we have to be careful of is we don't remain gullible mm-hmm. in our search for faith. Christian faith, that is. That's right. Because we can be. We can be gullible. Only. Let's look at, first of all, on the point of vicarious redemption, uh, John 10, 17, and 18. I just have to do a scriptural comment on that before we leave that one. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. So, Jesus is saying, my Father gave me this commandment and this opportunity and I freely give my life. Now, it's interesting because Mr. Hitchens says, you know, it's disgusting that that uh, an innocent person can suffer and and essentially free others. My question is this, don't we respect and give thanks to those who sacrifice maybe a soldier uh, who sacrifices his life for our freedom. Absolutely. Don't we? Do we look at that as disgusting? No. Do we look at that as, well, what does he think he's doing? He shouldn't have to do that. Well, maybe he shouldn't have to, but he does because the situation arises and it becomes appropriate for the protection of others. That's right. He's a hero. Exactly. And that is what Jesus is. And, and it reminds me of the scripture, Rick, no greater love than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus continues in that scripture and says, and you are my friends. That's right. So there is something incredibly valuable about not being gullible with the with the sacrifice of Jesus, but Jesus, but being faithful to that. As a matter of fact, you know, faith is work; it's effort. Yeah, you have to submit yourself first, and then, Rick, you have to apply yourself. And if you don't, if you just do the submitting yourself, you're not you're complete, gullible. Yeah, you're not completing. Then what applying faith is. yourself, that's what the faith of the scriptures is. And let's let's look at the let's look at the at, at, at some some scriptural examples of faith not or, or I'm sorry, the faith in the Bible asking us for not gullibility but true true faith. Uh, Matthew eight twenty three through twenty seven. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with waves. But Jesus himself was asleep, and they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Okay, so you have a situation arise, and they are feeling it. These guys are sailors. 
And they should be comfortable in this environment. But they, they know it. So apparently this is a big storm this because is beyond what they're used to. They're afraid. Yeah. And so he, what does Jesus say? He said to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So Jesus performs a dramatic miracle at sea. Dramatic. But his response to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Now, was he saying you guys should should be gullibly believing that this can be taken care of? <laughs> no. See, they had experience with Jesus the healer, Jesus the miracle worker, Jesus the son of God. They had experience. That, Which is proof, evidence. Right. And they should have thought, look, Jesus came. He's here. He, 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 here's the Messiah. Of course he's going to be safe. Yeah. God wouldn't let anything happen That's to his son. That's why they were men of little faith, because they didn't base their experience on the, uh, I'm sorry, base their fear on their experience. Good point. They based it simply on fear. So they became gullible when they should have had faith because they had something backing it up, something solid to go back to. Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. We have Larry from Connecticut. Good morning, Larry, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning, gentlemen. How Good morning. are you today? Doing well. Good. You know, uh, children, uh, we don't wait till they grow up to bring them to the doctor. We bring them, you know, when they're young, we take them by the hand and we bring them uh, so they can get a shot. If we do that with something that's important, you know, as their body, shouldn't we do the same thing that's just as important, which is just for their faith? I, I think we should. I, and, I think uh, that's a great example. I just wanted to, to 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 mention that we we seem to be thinking that you know well faith is something they can grow up with and make a decision for themselves. Well, if they grow up without it, they're not going to have it when they're older. And we can't send them to church. We need to take them by the hand and go to church with them, bring them with us. That's what we need to do. With children, it's very, very important. And we have to realize that today their faith will be under attack like it never has been. And, you know, our faith is under attack. And we need to defend it and stand up for it like we would for for our family. Because this this is terrible. We, I can't believe some of the stuff that's going on. Uh, like it's open season on 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 Christians. Yep. You know, and it's we we need to defend it and you know stand up for it. And we know the last chapter. It's difficult and it's going to be a tough tough haul, but we can do it with the grace of God. Larry, thanks so much. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Take care. Some good thoughts, especially along the lines of bringing your children to the doctor when they're young. That's yeah. what you do. Responsible. Be- That's right. And you teach them. You teach them that responsibility. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, the Bible teaches us to prove our faith. There's a couple of scriptures here. And to not have gullibility. For 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means apply yourself. This is not gullibility. Present yourself, rightly dividing the word of truth. Work at it. There's logic and fact here. 
First uh, Thessalonians five nineteen through twenty two. Just read verse twenty one. Okay. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Test all things. That's what's required of us as Christians. I want to. I, I got to get this next soundbite in before the end of this segment. So Fred, let's go to this. this is that Fox News uh, preparation for Hurricane Irene. They have an atheist on asking him, well, what do you do to prepare for crisis? And they're actually arguing about atheism versus uh, people of faith in in times of crisis. They don't believe it. Is, is, is your God sending a hurricane this way? They have no! A spiritual, right. So could your God stop the hurricane from coming No! Here? He's not all-powerful then. That's not why you believe in an afterlife. That's, That's not, not the why question you I believe asked. you have a spiritual life. I don't believe in a spiritual life so that someone could stop hurricanes. I asked you if you think God could stop the hurricane from coming. But God didn't create the hurricane from coming. So, so why he, would he stop he, it? He could have stopped. He hold could on, have started it. Um, this is what all-powerful no, means. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> <laughs> just going on and on and on. <laughs> and, and it brings up an important question. This this atheist is saying, well, look, you know, your God's not all-powerful because you say he can't stop a hurricane. And, well, is God all-powerful? I mean, that, that's, that's an important question that uh, we're going to actually have to touch on in the next segment a little bit. Folks, we're talking about looking at faith and how it works and why the Bible asks us for faith and not asks us for gullibility. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? How is prayer like heroin? Wait till you hear the next soundbite. Unbelievable. That's next. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, there's an awful lot to talk about here that we're we're not getting to, and uh, that's why CQ Rewind, the uh, full edition, is something that's so important, especially with a program like this. It's available only at ChristianQuestions.net, and it is a free service, and it's you can opt out easily anytime you want to. It's something you really want to check out. Uh, it gives you a lot more information. You can see the program after and along with hearing it. Again, that's ChristianQuestions.net. We were talking about at the end of the last segment, uh, is God all-powerful? And the answer is yes, Rick. And, well, okay, well, how come he can't do this and how come he can't do that? Well, he must not be all-powerful. That is just, talk about childish. Yeah. That is a childish way to look at the all-powerful all abilities of God. Now, Rick, hasn't God set parameters at different times in, in his plan? Well, God's pl- and that's the whole point. An all-powerful God has a plan. Let's just touch on very quickly Psalm 89, 11 to 14. We're just going to read little parts. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. So God owns it all. And righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Parameters, righteousness and justice. And then 2 Timothy 2, 11, or 2, 13 rather. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If he cannot deny himself and his parameters are righteousness and justice and he has a plan, he's executing the plan, he's not going to do anything that you want him to do to prove his power. Exactly. His power is proven in the fact that he has a plan, he stays with the plan, he is righteous, he is just, he is loving, and he's merciful, and he's powerful. 
That's an all-powerful God. So stop with the childishness. Let me, you know, let's turn the tables here. But let's go back to the childishness one more time. <laughs> no. <laughs> back to Fox News. Um, and because you said something about how is prayer like drugs or heroin yeah, or heroin, something? Yeah. Well, Fox News talking to this atheist, and he's really getting after people of faith, especially in times of crisis. Let's listen to what he says. Dave Briggs has something to say. Well, all right, let's take a priest in Ocean City, Maryland. Let's just make an example. He's praying for his parishioners to be safe throughout the weekend, all the while boarding up the windows of his church. Right. He is blind. He's delusional. He's delusional. He's boarding up his... He's praying for his, the safety of his parishioners yes. throughout this storm. And he's delusional boarding to think up the that his prayer is actually going to have an effect. It won't. The storm is coming. His parishioners are... How could you to- say that? Prayer brings comfort to so many people. So do drugs. And just because it doesn't bring so it to do you drugs. doesn't mean it's not right. Heroin brings comfort to a lot of people, too. It doesn't that's not, make it that's, good. That's a poor comparison. It's an exact comparison. It is not. <laughs> you can see they really are having fun there, aren't they? Oh, my. But he's talking about prayer is like drugs because, you know, oh, prayer brings comfort to lots of people. Is that a true statement? Yes. And he says, well, so do drugs. You know, prayer is just like heroin. That's what he's talking about. Now, look, talk about being childish. Just because you don't have a sense of what prayer can do for you doesn't mean you go and, and you, you, you destroy what prayer does for others. And this Bible tells us very specifically that prayer ought to be a central part of our lives. Absolutely. And prayer needs to be based in true faith, not gullibility. And then meditate after the prayer and see the Lord's will in your life and And, his overruling. And then you do it, faith without works is dead? Mm -hmm. Then do something. Yes. That's the point. Let's go to the phones. All right. We have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen, I am laying a stone in Zion, a stone that has been tested, a pressure corner, a precious cornerstone, as a sure foundation. Faith is both a need to have and a need to be. Israel is told to live in faith that God's plan, the cornerstone, will prevail. But God calls us also to act. Mark four forty. Then he asked them, "Why are you terrified? Do you not yet have faith?" Gandhi wrote, faith is a living consciousness of God within. Our actions must show faith. We must be a living prayer. Jesus tells us to feel faith and to be faith itself. Luke 8:48. he said to her, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And see, faith, what Randall is saying is faith plays an integral part in... in um, how our lives ought to be. And a lot of Jesus' healing were based, was based on faith. That's right. Your faith has made you whole. And again, it's not gullibility because there's proof. There, there was before them a man that worked miracles. They knew the capacity was there, and they availed him of that capacity. So it's very, very, very important to see how faith is not just being gullible and taking... As a matter of fact, you know what? Let, let's... The scriptures give us amazing, and folks, amazing proofs that they are inspired by God. And you know what, Jonathan? These proofs are amazing. And they're scientific too, Rick. Well, let's take a look. Meteorology, all right? What do the scriptures have to say about meteorology? Well, they talk about water being recycled uh, in, in the Earth's water cycle. Job 36, 27 through 29. For he draws up the drops of water, he distills his mist in rain which the sky pours down and drop upon mortals abundantly. 
Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thunderings of his pavilion? So it's talking about the cycle of the rain falling and then the, 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 the atmosphere drying up the moisture and the rain falling and back and round and round and round. Now, how did Job know that? He must have been very smart in his time. <laughs> he used all of his meteorolo- meteorological tools to figure that out, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Or he was given that information by God. That's, it, that's the one I choose. Okay. Now, here's, here's an even better one. You know, the oceans have currents. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that now. How, in ancient times, when nobody even traveled on the oceans, could they possibly know that the oceans had currents? Well, you know what? In Psalm 8.8, it talks about the currents in the oceans. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. The paths of the seas is referring to where most of the life is in the oceans. It's in, within the currents. Did you ever see the movie Finding Nemo? Yes. And the turtles are riding in the current. Dude. (laughs) They're riding along that, whatever they call that particular current there. Yeah. How did they know? How did the psalmist know that there were currents in the ocean? He may have never even seen the ocean. And the birds in the air, um, when they migrate, they're also in this stream of air that makes it easy for them to get to their migration point. So the scriptures tell us. About the paths of the seas. Just think about that. It gives you a sense that the Bible, there's much more to it than this gullibility thing. Oh, praise God, everybody lovey, lovey, kumbaya, let's all get together. That's not what the scriptures are about, not at all. But yet when you go back to Mr. Richard Dawkins and his program, The Virus of Faith, what he says is, well, you know, you guys have a tendency to just pick on this th- part or th- pick on that part. So let, let's go to the next soundbite here. Uh, and again, he's talking about cherry-picking the Bible. It seems to me an odd proposition that we should adhere to some parts of the Bible story but not to others. After all, when it comes to important moral questions, by what standards do we cherry-pick the Bible? Why bother with the Bible at all if we have the ability to pick and choose from it? what is right and what is wrong for today's society. So he says that we cherry-pick the Bible. Now, that's a whole subject in and of itself. Oh, that is. Because there is God's plan works in stages. Mm-hmm. We'll describe that another day, all right? But here's the thing. Mr. Dawkins is the cherry-picker here because he's avoiding all of the scientific evidence which that, he said, <laughs> that's, faith has none. <laughs> right, that, that's in the scriptures. We talked about meteorology. We looked at oceanography. Astronomy. Now, this is amazing. Astron- in Psalm 19, verses 4 to 6, it's talking about the sun moving in an orbit. In the heavens he hath set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. So it's using picture language, a tent. In other words, parameters, and it runs its course. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. So the, it's talking about the sun moving around in this, in this orbit. It also talks about, in the, in the scriptures, that the earth is round and that the earth has an atmosphere. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to live in. So he sits above the circle of the earth. It's inhabited. Now, how would Isaiah know that? He wouldn't unless he was given the information from God. How would he know that the heavens around us are stretched out like a curtain, like a tent 
for the Earth to live in. And isn't that what the atmosphere is? Yes. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And if you'd like to email us, you can do so at Rick, R-I-C-K, at ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, again, this is another program that there, there's a lot of this stuff here that we just won't be able to get to. Secret Rewind is a great, great, great opportunity to uh, get more scriptural background and, uh, on on the subject matter at hand. It's involved in the bonus material. You can only get Secret Rewind at ChristianQuestions.net. That's the only place in the entire world it's available, and it's a free service. So please check it out. So we're looking at the, does the Bible present a basis of faith or credulity? Does it present a basis of faith, meaning something reasoning based on facts? And evidence. And evidence, or does it say, well, just believe because God said so? See, to believe because God said so ought to be enough, because we see what God is and and, and what he has done. Mm -hmm. But God is so merciful that he gave us all of these other things to look at within the scriptures that were not possible. That takes our faith to higher levels. Right. It was not possible to know these things at this time. Not possible for humans. How, Mr. Dawkins, how, in your cherry-picking of the Bible, how did you miss all of these parts? How come you don't comment on them and say, that's amazing, that's miraculous? The Pleiades. Let's read about this, the, the Pleiades. Now, the Pleiades we know are six, actually, there's six... There's, um, stars visible. Seven, there, but there's seven groupings of stars. Okay. Only six are visible to the naked eye in the Pleiades. And we know, because astronomers have told us, science has told us there are seven. Well, in Amos 5.8, it also tells us the same thing. Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night, that calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. So seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion. Elsewhere in the uh, uh, in, in in the book of Job, it talks about Orion, the constellation, mm-hmm. and it talks about God is challenging Job about a, Orion's belt. Well, right? yeah, he's he's challenging Job uh, in terms of Job is looking at his life and saying, "My life is in chaos and other ruins, and what have I done?" And you know, trying to figure it all out. And God is basically saying, "Job, look." Let, let's let's have a let's have a let's have a little discussion. Were you there when I created the earth? When I set up the seasons? When I established the atmosphere? When I did all of? Were you there when I? Why are you questioning Job? I've got this all in hand. That's that's the the essence of Job chapter thirty eight. Another thing he mentions that we don't don't have here is, uh, can you loose the bands of Orion? And the constellation of Orion, you know, is, is like that that soldier guy, you know, the three yep. the three the three stars of the belt, and then you got the shoulders and all of that. Mm-hmm. All of those stars in that constellation, not just the belt, all of those stars are, are going ever so slightly in different directions. And eventually, Orion will not exist as a constellation. God is telling Job, can you dissolve Orion? I can do it. Can you? Now, why would Job use that as an example? And it just happens to be the truth. Oh, that's a coincidence, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, folks, think about it. The Bible doesn't ask us to be gullible. It gives us all kinds of evidence here and there and everywhere about 
why it is the inspired word of God. And we haven't even touched on prophecy yet. You're right. So let's touch on prophecy, All shall right. we? Let's do it. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.net. All right, we're going to just touch on Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. We're not going to read all those verses. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out of the Spirit by the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Okay, so Ezekiel sets the the context. In a vision, he's set down in the middle of a valley full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. So obviously, God is challenging uh, Ezekiel with a very direct question. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. So bones, these, this is something that was once alive but no longer is alive. And God is saying to, to Ezekiel, these bones are going to live. So what does that mean? Well, he tells us what it's going to mean in verse 11. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. So in the prophecy, long ago, Israel is scattered and dead as a nation, and God proclaims Israel as a nation will live again. He spends the entire 37th chapter of Ezekiel Proving it. Prophecy. That is a clear, that's not a Nostradamus prophecy that, that talks in this cryptic language. It's evidence. This is clear-cut evidence that those bones, that Israel will relive as a nation. And guess what? In 1948, Israel came back as a nation. The Bible has science. It has prophecy. It has evidence. It's not a book of gullibility for crying out loud. Listen. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Does Everyone Need Faith? How is faith tested in your life? When things seem easy or when life gets hard? That's next. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Everyone Need Faith? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, we are... I'm getting a little excited here this morning. <laughs> we're talking about faith, we're talking about how it works, and we're talking about the fact, the fact that the Bible does not require us to be gullible. It does require us to have faith. And faith is an action in our lives. It is not just a blind belief that you just kind of go on your merry way because, oh, everything is wonderful. It gives us ample evidence that it is something to be trusted. And I think that's where we have to, you have to have ample evidence to understand that something ought to be trusted. That's right. And when we do, every human being has faith. When we have ample evidence that something or somebody ought to be trusted, 
every human being has faith. Matter of fact, we've been listening to Richard Dawkins, this whole program, yes. the world-renowned atheist. He admits that he has faith. Not in the Bible. Okay. Too bad he's missing out on something good. Yeah. But he, and, and this is from BigThink.com, uh, he's talking in this soundbite about his own faith and the kinds of things that he has faith in. Those branches of science which I don't understand, for example, physics, I, it could be said, I suppose, that I have faith that physicists understand it better than I do. And so when I say something that physicists tell me, such as that, uh, that, that there was nothing before the Big Bang, you're not allowed to talk about, about the word before in the context of the Big Bang, I sort of have faith that physicists uh, understand enough to be allowed to say that, even though I don't understand why they're allowed to say that. But it's not faith, it's not blind faith, it's not faith in the absence of evidence. It's faith that's based upon uh, confidence in the scientific method, in the scientific peer review process, the fact that I know that um, there are other physicists who can test, verify, criticize the views of any one physicist. He brings up a very important point. He said, I do have faith, but it's not blind faith. It's based on confidence in the scientific method. And he lists out the things it's based on. Mm -hmm. My faith is not blind faith either. My personal faith is based on the proven uh, principles and facts of Scripture that tell me the Bible is the inspired word of God. So now, obviously, I'm not saying that the Bible is exactly like science, but the principles exist in both places. Well, Rick, Mr. Dawkins seems to have followed a scriptural principle himself. What? <laughs> <laughs> Romans 10, 14 to 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they that do not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So the principle is real simple here, Jonathan, that... Mr. Dawkins was saying, there are things that I don't understand that are brought to me, and I have faith in those that carry the message. Mm -hmm. Exactly the way the scriptural principle is talking exactly. about here. There are those that we need to, we have faith in because of who they are and what they represent. Mm -hmm. Now, Mr. Dawkins was talking about science particularly. Now, there are, there, there are areas of science that are essentially up for grabs these days. Global warming, we're not going to get into global warming, but there's a boatload of evidence. Mm -hmm. Now, you can, as a human individual, just looking at everything, you can choose which group of scientists you want to believe. That's right. The fact there's evidence is, on both sides. Right, right, right. The fact is, some say the globe is warming, some say it's not. Okay? They both are going to point to evidence. Okay, now what do you do? You pick a side. That's what you do. You pick a side and say, well... You have you know, faith in one or the other. Right. So, the principle... That there are times that we don't have all of the answers ourselves, but we can go to those who we believe in and have trust in is, is, is important. That's what real true faith is. Mr. Dawkins has it. So do we. So we can agree on something. <laughs> sort of. Maybe a little. Colossians 1.23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was proclaimed in all creation, under which is heaven, 
whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So continue in the faith, grounded and settled. When you're grounded in something, that means you've done the work and you've, you've got a strong, serious foundation that you can be confident in. Gullibility doesn't have confidence. No, it doesn't. Not at all. But real, true Christian faith has a deep... People have died for their Christian faith. That's a deep confidence in something much bigger than, than a lot of these folks can ever see. And, and when we look at our faith, our faith is tested it in, is. these days. It is. And one of the ways it's tested, I think, is when you have this barrage of input from those folks who are look at, look at, at Christianity with such disdain and say, well, you know, it's delusional, and on and on and on and on. That can be a test of your faith, and because they throw science at you and say, well, see, see? But look, the Bible proves science. And the scriptures always have an answer for the hope that's within you. And it's interesting, because, you know, one of the things that I saw in all these things, and before I get to this, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 6 to 8. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. Do check out CQ Rewind. You want to avail yourself of that opportunity. It is a free service. It's available only at ChristianQuestions.net. It gives you something physical to hold on to in terms of the scriptures that we're talking about and the principles. It's well presented with graphics and illustrations. And bonus material. Only available at ChristianQuestions.net. CQ Rewind. Jonathan, when we, when we look at the, the, the testing of our faith, um, you know, we have to, to put it in a, in a perspective of saying, okay, where, where do we stand? Is what we believe in, does it have something of substance or is it just a nice idea? And we have to be, we have to be really focused on making sure we go in the right direction with that. James 1, 2 through 8. My brothers and sisters, whenever you're, you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. Okay, let, let, let's pause there. Uh, talking about you know, the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let's go to the phones, and then I'm going to want to go back to a soundbite, and then we'll finish that scripture. All right, we have Don from Connecticut. Good morning, Don, and welcome to Christian Questions. Well, thank you. Um, I, I'm, I'm, oh, a couple of minutes ago you'd mentioned the having faith in people who bring us information. Yeah. Uh, which gives me pause. Uh, you, you had, uh, oh, maybe half a year back, a Todd, was it Todd Alexander? Todd yes. Andrews? Yes, Alexander, yes. Alexander, who spoke, uh, among other things on astronomy, and he said that our, uh, the Earth's moon is the largest in the solar system. He absolutely said that. Okay. And in fact, there are there are four others in the solar system which are larger than the moon. Uh, among them, Ganymede, Titan, and Io. Okay, and so the point is? So the point is, uh, how do you have faith in uh, Todd? Maybe he made a mistake? Four of them? No, one mistake. It's four moons, one mistake. The point is, Don, do you make mistakes? As few as I can manage. Well, like the rest of us, but we all do. doesn't mean that because somebody maybe doesn't get a fact entirely right, one small fact in the context of all of the other things he talked about, doesn't mean that you throw throw him out and say, well, you know, he didn't know that, so therefore nothing he said is good. Well, I, I, 
Uh, does God make mistakes? No. Then why did he refer to the earth as a circle, when in fact the earth is a spherical obloid? When you hold the earth, when you look at a picture of the earth in a distance, it looks like a circle, doesn't it? I, yeah. I don't know. I've never looked at it from a distance. Sure you have. You've seen pictures of the earth from the moon. It looks just like a circle. That's what it's referring to, the fact that it's round. From a from at least two perspectives, the earth shows itself to be a sphere and not a circle. You well, have to look at it only from one perspective ever to conclude that it's a circle. And in any event, uh, God, the all-knowing God knows everything. So why would he use the wrong word? <laughs> he didn't use the wrong word, Don. He wasn't giving a science lesson. He was proving. He was, he was just, just proving the fact that men thought the earth was flat. He was correcting them. They, it, it's, it's round. A circle is round. That's how you define a circle. It's round. A Anything else? Because we need to, need to move along here, brother. A circle is flat. Two-dimensionally, two yes. You're right. On a piece of paper, a circle is flat. Right. Well, that, that's, it only exists as a feature of plain geometry. In, in, in so, Don, so Don, God is wrong? Dimension. Come on, Don. God yeah, is God wrong was. because he used the word circle? Come on, you can do better than that. No. No, your God should be able to do better than that, but he's not. He's done much better than that, Don. Look at the scriptures in their entirety. Look at the plan. Look at the development. Look at all of the other scientific aspects that you haven't talked about. Look at the paths of the sea. Look at the loosing of the belt of Orion. Look at the, the stars of the Pleiades. Look at all of these things and say, wow, those are facts. And those were presented before they could be known. Anything else? Because we've got to wrap it up. Yes, there is. This, this matter Quickly, of, the, sir. Uh, of the tent. Yes. The the uh, did you say that the sun was within the tent? Yes. And the the tent refers to the earth's atmosphere. Those are two different tents. The sun was ah. moving Listen, Don, put it in its context. The sun is moving within parameters inside of a, a, a essentially a picture of an enclosed area. The tent is what protects the earth. It's two different pictures using the same illustration. It works. They're two different scriptures. They had nothing to do with each other. We got to go, brother. Uh, well, you're heavy, and you're not my brother. <laughs> yeah, we are. All humans are brothers. Thanks for the call, Don. We appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, anyway. <laughs> All right, Jonathan, I, I wanted to, you know what, we won't have time for this last sound, but I wanted to get to it, because this is Rosalind Picard. I'll just explain it. Uh, you can find this on testoffaith.com. She is a scientist, and she is a Christian. Mm -hmm. And she talks about, in this soundbite, she talks about reading the skeptics with an open mind to remain teachable. Because she's got a scientific mind. She's, she's, she's one of these brilliant people that's way more brilliant than I am. And she said that in reading the skeptics, and she did refer to Richard Dawkins, one of his books, she said that what, it, what these, reading these skeptics have shown me is a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation. So they haven't rocked my faith because they're not getting what we stand for. And it, it comes back to one of the points you made earlier about how um, we should be really focused on making sure that our faith is a living example of what faith ought to be. Yes. Let's finish up that James scripture. But ask in faith, never doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the doubter, being double-minded and unstable in every way, must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So we have to make sure that our faith is the central part of our lives. In Jude 1 3, it talks about earnestly contending for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. 
That speaks volumes. It does. Because one of the things we have to make sure we avoid is whatever additions came on to Christianity after the original basis of Christianity. We need to make sure our faith is based on that which was once delivered originally. So our faith has lots of places where it can be tested, but folks, be assured, our faith is based on a book that is provable through science, through prophecy, through history. It gives you a sense that God is there and giving us a message that he has a plan, and his plan is of salvation for all mankind. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. Faith is such an important part of life. Make sure you take your faith and you make it active. Don't make it something that's based on gullibility. Work your faith so it can work, and you will be back again next week with another subject. But till then... Everyone does need faith. Think about it.